different this morning. This morning, I'm going to do something a little different. I want the kids to stay in here. And the reason so is being our last Sunday, but we're dealing with the faith, and I want some of that faith to move on our babies. And I believe that, that when you preach, the message should be kind of simple. You know what I mean? That even a child should be understanding. So those that are in second and third grade and up, I feel they should be able to flow with us. Amen? I just believe that in my heart. So I want some of this faith to jump off on our babies as well. So as most of you all know, we are in a series. There we go. Entitled Incredible Faith. Amen. This is the fourth week. I used to try to do four or five weeks, but God hasn't released this from me yet. And I probably see why, because now we're about to move into our own building. God is just doing things and stretching our faith. So I must continue with the faith. So you can rise on your feet real quick. Read a couple of scriptures. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 14. If you have your Bible, iPad, whatever you got, phone, don't matter. But I have it on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 14. And it says this. And children, I want y'all to stand too. Stand up, children. Honor God's word. Everybody stand up. We're going to honor God's word. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. If you don't mind, shake about three people's hands and tell them, I'm walking on water. Yeah, yeah, I'm walking on water. That's two and a half. Make sure you shake three people's hands and tell them, I'm walking on water. Yes. Yes. We are walking on water. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We thank you, oh God. Yes. Um, here we are in the fourth week of this series, and we've been dealing with something called incredible faith. And what incredible faith looks like. We started out in the very first one about the children of Israel and how God had promised them the promised land. And said, I got this thing for y'all, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Moses, go send 12 spies out there and go see the land. And once y'all see it, I want y'all to possess it. But guess what? When the 12 spies came back, 10 out of the 12 said, you know what? We can't take it. They giants. They bearded us. We can't do anything. So they were so shook by their fear and doubt. They couldn't get what God already promised to them. It's messed up. Then we went to Mother's Day, and and that week we dealt with Moses and his mother, Jochebed, and who hid him for three months. And the writer in Hebrews chapter 11 says she did this by only one thing, by faith. So she put her son in the thing that was meant to destroy him. She built him a little ark and put him in the river where it was meant to destroy him. But what was meant to destroy him, God not only used it to deliver him, but deliver a whole nation. Think about that. A mama has so much faith in God that God used her son not just to deliver him, but to deliver everybody. It's power in a mama's faith. And and then the last week we dealt with a familiar uh, oldie but goodie, David and Goliath. And we learned that our faith will get tested at times. But if God is on our side, I'm really already fighting a fixed fight. Yeah, you know what a fixed fight is, right? That the outcome is already predetermined. So if I have faith in God, I'm already fighting a fight that I should win. So I just wish a few people would know that no matter what weapon formed against me, it won't prosper. Yeah, yeah. He never said the weapon wouldn't be put together. That ain't what the Bible said. He never said the weapon wouldn't strike me. He never said the weapon wouldn't hurt me. He never said it might make me shed blood or shed tears, but he said it won't kill me. He said he won't defeat me. So God has encouraged us in our faith. 
And today we're going straight to the horse's mouth. We're getting it straight from Jesus himself. No middleman in between. Uh, we hear what God has to say about faith. The, the son of God, what is he talking about faith? So I have to give you some pretext so you can appreciate the context. So in chapter 14 earlier, John the Baptist just got beheaded. Uh, those of us who know, that's Jesus' big cousin. So Jesus' big cousin just got murked. He's dead. He's gone. They cut off his head. So I can imagine Jesus, even though he is God, he's still human. So I know this bad news has affected him. So he's upset. So when the multitudes heard Jesus was coming around, they said, you know what? We got to follow him on foot. We don't care. Everybody's following Jesus. And I love that because Jesus has influence and impact. Yeah, they heard he was leaving. They said, you know what? If you're leaving, we're going to follow you to as well. I love this because Jesus is the king of the Jews. He's the son of God, but he's on earth not to impress, but to impact. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus know he has work to do. He has sickness and diseases to heal. He got women like Mary Magdalene who had seven spirits and was a prostitute. He got to deliver her and get her free. He got people he has to raise from the dead and heal them and deliver them. He has a whole mankind, including us, to die for and save us. So Jesus says, you know what? I'm here to impact their lives. I'm not here to impress them. I can show myself to being God. I can do all kind of magic tricks and make it look good and look sweet. But that ain't why I'm here. I'm here to impact your life. So the multitude began to follow him. And it says many people followed Jesus. And when Jesus seen all these people following him, he looked and he had compassion. Look at what the Bible says. This is in Matthew 14 and 15. It says this. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away. that They may go into the village and buy food themselves. But Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. What? I can just imagine their face. I mean, I mean, Jesus, did all that healing affect your brain today? You all right, Jesus? This is a multitude, which means there's thousands of people, and you want us to feed him? So, so, so Jesus says this. And they said to him, well, Jesus, we have only five loaves and two fish. But he said, bring them here to me. Man, y'all miss y'all shout. I'm telling you. Got our own place. I'm teaching the shout class. I'm teaching. I'm teaching it. He said, bring them to me. See, Jesus already knew they didn't have enough, but he wanted them to say it. See, see, that's why I love Jesus, because he knows exactly how much you have. And he knows how much he needs to make it happen. But he wants you to acknowledge that you need him to make it happen. Ah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Jesus says, bring it to me. And I look at this and this is because this is the reason we are struggling sometimes financially because we won't bring it to Jesus. Are we struggling in our relationship sometimes because we won't bring it to Jesus? Are we struggling with life in general sometimes because we won't bring it to him? So look at verse 19. It says this. Then when he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed it and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitudes. Uh, the reason you have to give it to Jesus in the first place is so he can bless it. Woo, y'all see that? You have to give it to him. That's why I put my life in his hands so he can bless it. That's why I put my money in his hands so he can bless it. That's why I put my marriage in his hands so he can bless it. I want him to look up to the Father and bless what I got going on. So after he blessed it, he broke it. And see, sometimes after we receive the blessing, God still got to break us. Yeah, we don't like talking about that. We don't like talking about that. Uh, 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 uh. 
God, everything is going well right now, God. I love you. I'm worshiping you. My prayer life is going to another level. I got what I've been praying for. Everything is looking good and looking smooth right now, God. And then something happens and it feels like we're getting broken. But guess what? Tell somebody real quick, it ain't about you. No, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. No, 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 no. Jesus blessed the food and then he broke it. Why? Because once he was able to break it, he was able to give more out. Ah. God wants to break you sometimes after he's blessed you. Why? So you can give more of your life away to other people. Because there's some people that need you. And he got to get you to a place where you're able to minister and help them out. If he kept the food there and didn't bless it and break it, a lot of people would have been hungry. So God wants to do something in your life. He wants you to bless people. But you got to be willing to get broken if you want to be blessed. Amen. Because see, see, the text tells us that they, they filled up 12 bags of food left over. That's one for every disciple. And it says they fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. That is crazy. That takes incredible faith to do something like that. He fed that many people. And guess what? The women and children weren't even counting. That was just the men. So God is showing himself, Jesus, as Jehovah Jireh, their provider. Yeah, I missed that. Amen. Amen. He, he is the I am. So he said, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I provide as well. So now we jump into the text. We get to where we are today. That was just a little pretext. Uh, Matthew 14, 12, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. So Jesus had been ministering all day. He ended up feeding 5,000 people. I'm sure, bro, probably kind of tired. Yeah, because if it was just one woman and one child per man, that's 15,000 people that day. That's a heck of an outreach. Amen. I'm praying we can do some outreach like that. We can help 15,000 people. I believe God can do it. Amen. He did it in the scripture. I believe he can do it here. So, so, so Jesus says this. I love this. He sent everybody away so he can go pray. Yeah, this humbles me right here. I don't know about y'all, but that humbles me. My little busy life I be having. Uh, I want my marriage to be great. Not good, but great. I want to be the best father I can be. I want my children to love me, and they ain't all kind of activities. I want to be the best pastor I can be for y'all. I want to hear from God and say, what is he saying to y'all? What do you have me to speak to, the, to your people, Lord? I want to do all that. I got a job. I'm working 40 plus hours. But guess what? I still got to make time to pray. Amen. Still got to make time to pray. Think about that. Jesus is the son of God. God in the flesh. He says he and I, the father and I are one. We are on the same page. You see me, you see my father, yet he still makes time to pray. So my question is, if Jesus had to pray, why do we think we don't have to? Why do we don't think we got to pray? So we got to realize prayer is so powerful because it's not just used to change your situation. That usually what leads us to prayer because we want something to change in our lives. And God understands that. But it's not just about changing the situation. It changes you as well. It helps you to be able to deal with the situation. It helps you to be able to pace yourself, to press through and persevere. So prayer changes us. So if Jesus needed some quiet time with God, don't you think me and you need some too? Hey Amen. I love that. So, so look at verse 24 right here. It says this. But the boat that was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Yeah, this is where, this is where the, the tables turned a little bit. 
the winds and waves are blowing like crazy right now. So it's, it's, a, it's like a storm on the sea right now. It's in the fourth watch of the night. So in the fourth watch of the night, that's between three and six in the morning is when that is. It's between three and six in the morning when this is going on. And so let that sink in for a minute. Jesus is walking on water at this very moment. The act is not a suspension of natural laws. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not that. No, no, no. Jesus did this. He did not change the water to ice. He, he didn't do that. No, no, no. He didn't change anything. Jesus began to walk on the water. The law of gravity was not suspended by him. Uh, gravity was still working while Jesus was walking on this thing. I'm trying to show y'all who he is. The gravity was still working. He didn't change nothing to ice. He's just walking on the water. So it isn't that he suspended any natural laws. That's not what he did. He superseded them because he created them in the first place. Woo, what a God we serve. What a God we serve that he didn't have to change it around everybody else. It's just going to change for me. The God we serve is awesome. Jesus has given us a glimpse of what our spiritual bodies can do once we're glorified and go to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we get to heaven, the Bible says we will get a glorified body, a body like Jesus. So Jesus is showing us what a body looks like when it's free from the bondage of earthly conditions. He's showing what a body look like when sin ain't got no power to it no more. When sin can't keep it and hold me down, I'm walking on water. Y'all missed that. It's all right, though. I'm in this thing. I'm doing something different that can't be done. He's showing us who he is and how he's walking uh, on the earth. And then look what happens with his disciples. In verse 26, it says this. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they was troubled, saying, it is a ghost. They cried out of fear. I know some of y'all probably thinking, like, what is wrong with the disciples? They Jesus and homies, they walking around with him. They were just with him earlier in the day. I mean, they can't recognize who this man is. Why are y'all scared and shouting with fear? But I gotta give y'all see what's going on. Think about this. They are on a boat on the sea. We think about a boat, we think about cruise ships and yachts. Not that time. Nah, nah. So y'all thinking that's what y'all think about. They on a boat, they good, they they, they goosey, they, they goosey, Pastor. They, they ain't gotta worry about nothing. But this is the kind of boat they was rolling back in Jesus' day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Jesus' day boat right there. Yeah, look at that boat. Yeah. So a boat similar to that was the top of the line technology back then. Uh, uh, but a boat similar to that with twelve bras on it. Boat crowded. Ain't hardly no space. So think about a little bitty boat and the winds is blowing hard and the sea is raging. So 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 a lot is going on right there. In that boat. So it got 12 bros in there. The sea's raging. The wind blowing like crazy. Plus it's like between 3 and 6 in the morning. That's scary. See, some of y'all watch a scary movie in y'all bed in front of y'all TV here. Noise downstairs and y'all scared. Y'all scared. These bros on a boat. Wind blowing. Elements is crazy. They don't know what to do. Then you look up and something is coming towards you in the water. Woo! You cannot tell me you're not going to shout out of fear. And say, is it a ghost? You, you probably thought it's over. We're about to die. It's over. The Grim Reaper has come to get us and collect us our souls. Because how is somebody walking on the water? So Jesus being God says, you know what? I'm not about to make them come back. I ain't got time for all that. I'm just going to go to them and, and, and catch up with them. So they think it's a ghost. They scared. All this is going on. But look at Jesus' response. I, I, I just love Jesus' response and how he handles things. Look at this. He says, but immediately... Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Yeah. Y'all miss y'all shout. It's cool though. It's cool. I'm explaining. It It is I. Do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. I'm encouraged by this verse right here 
Because the previous verse, they were scared out their mind. They were screaming and shouting. They were terrified in the previous verse. And they thought they was about to die. I can imagine their hearts beating fast as ever before. I can imagine them being scared. But Jesus reminds them, as soon as I step on the scene, you should be of good cheer. Ah, I'm trying to show you the importance of Jesus because in this life, you're going to face some scary situations. In this life, you're going to have your own failures. You're going to come financial hardships. You're going to lose loved ones and friends. All kind of things are going to happen. But because of who Jesus is, I can be of good cheer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has the power to turn my situation around. He grants me the strength to get through it. So Jesus is saying, look here, when I show up on the scene, be of good cheer. The reason I am in of good cheer, check this out, because Jesus represents what faith is. And he encourages us to be of good cheer. Why? Because fear and faith can't coexist. So when Jesus shows up and I believe he's with me, my fear's got to go. The Bible says this, perfect love cast out fear. God is love. So when Jesus shows up in any situation in my life, faith has to take over if I believe that he is who he says he is. So immediately he told them to be of good cheer. So they're standing there, they're looking trying to figure out what's going on. The verse 28 says this, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Yeah. Peter still got a little bit of concerns. Uh, 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 I still, if it's you, God, if it's you. Uh, I believe it's you. You told me it's you. It look like you now. You're still on the water though. But, but, but if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Yeah, so Peter still got, got a little concern. He's a tad bit unsure about what's going on. So Peter says, Lord, let me come to the water. It's dark. It's late. The winds are blowing like crazy. The sea is raging right here. Uh, uh, but I love this because the disciples, this isn't their first time traveling by boat with Jesus. Yeah. So the, P, the reason Peter put this request in is because he already experienced Jesus delivering them on the sea before. Yeah, yeah. In Matthew chapter 8, a few chapters back in, in Matthew, the disciples were on a boat and the wind and the waves got them so bad on the boat again. They were on a boat, the winds and waves is going crazy, y'all. And Jesus is on a boat sleep. That little boat. The winds and waves are going crazy and Jesus, being God, is sleep. Because he's God and he's a man. he got to get some rest. He's a man too at this point. So he has to get some rest. He's, he, he has flesh. So he sleep. The boat is rocking and shaking. They come in, wake him up and say, Lord, we're about to die. Save us. Jesus is probably yawning like, what is wrong with y'all? Do y'all know who I am? Y'all on the boat with me. So look at what Jesus tells, tells the disciples. This is, this, is, this is in Matthew 8. He tells the disciples like this. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Oh, you little faith. He's questioning them why they're fearful because I'm here. Because faith and fear can't coexist when I'm here. So why are you fearful? Oh, you a little face. Faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled saying, who can this be? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So Peter has been down the stream before. He, he's seen this before. He's been in this. This is like a, a rerun. He's seen this. I know a man that he can rebuke the winds and the waves. So now I come to say this, Lord, let me come out on the water to you. Because I, I, I know you can rebuke the wind and the waves that the elements have to obey you. See, see, some of us have been in some sticky situations. You didn't know how you was going to make it out. 
You might have been fearful, but you did have a little faith. Amen. See, but Jesus stepped in and rebuked something with that little faith you had. Yeah, your faith even where it was supposed to be in God. Yeah, you just had a little faith. And God still was faithful and showed up and rebuked some death. Yeah, yeah, he still showed up and rebuked some hate out your life. He still showed up and rebuked some judgment and gave you mercy, even with your little bit of faith. Yeah, but I dare us to be, up, be like Peter and say, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, if it is you, command me to come. What do I mean? Lord, there's some business in me, and if it's your will, command it to come. Yeah. There's some people, Lord, I still got to introduce to you. And if it's your will, Lord, command them to come to me, Lord. There's some greatness in me, God. And if it's your will, command it to come. Uh, uh, everything you have for me that's in heaven's storeroom. You do know heaven got a storeroom, right? That heaven has a room that got blessings that got your name on it. But God is waiting on you to receive them. God's waiting on you to believe to have them. So I want it by faith. Everything in heaven's storeroom, I want it to come to me, Lord. So look what Jesus tells them. He tells, he tells Peter, all right, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Woo. God is calling you. Yeah. One word, come. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just come. That's all, that's all Jesus saying. Come and watch what I can do. See, when Peter came, he got invited into the supernatural. Just like he told Peter to come, he's calling us. Like Peter, he commanded him to come, and the invitation is there, but you got to be willing to accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Peter had not had come down out the boat, he wouldn't have never walked on water. So, 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 this is my question for you today. Check this out. Oh, there we go. When are you going to get out that boat? Yeah, yeah. When are you going to get out the boat? Yeah, see, Peter had to get out the boat to walk. We got to turn it on. He got to get out the boat to walk, but we got to get out of a boat too. Right. Yeah, we got to get out the boat of our mind. Yeah, the mind is a terrible thing. Yeah, the mind messes us up. The mind causes us to be jacked up. We got to get out the boat of fear. Fearful of the unknown, fearful of our future, fearful of God's plans. Why are we scared when he says, I know the plans I have for you to bring you hope and expect it in a good end. The thoughts I think of you are always good, never evil, but we fearful come out the boat of our own insecurities because we're not who we think we should be. When God said, you're beautiful, you're my child, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you perfect from the day I created you. Yeah. We're scared to get out the boat of our job situations When we don't want to be there We don't like it And God's saying well do this and do that Go go back to school Get you a degree Or start your own business Whatever I'm telling you to do Move in the way I'm telling you to move But we're scared to get out that boat And what about relationships Some relationships just ain't no good Whether, whether they're domestic Just friendships or, or intimate Some relationships ain't no good And God is telling you to get out of the relationships He's saying come But we won't get out the boat yeah, since Peter did it, I believe the ability to walk on water not just means to walk on water physically. No, that's not what I'm saying. I don't believe you're going to be able to just go out and walk on water, but I believe you're going to be able to do something that's never been done in, on the earth or even in your family tree. Because if I change my destiny of my family tree, I just walked on water. If my family has a lineage of heathens, then I lead them to a lineage of saints. I just walked on water. 
if I multiply, the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That means my children's children. I think Beyonce said that, that my great, 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 great grandchildren are already rich. So if I've done that, that means I've walked on water. I've done something that has changed my family. So God is calling us to walk on water. But you got to get out the boat. See, the boat, guess what the boat is? The boat requires us the faith to leave security behind. We stand on some things that are no good for us because we find security in that boat. See, the boat represents the only logical way to move on top of water. How else do you get on water but by boat? If you ain't swimming, you're on some kind of floating flotation device. So you're on a boat. So the boat represents common sense and logic. This is how I have to get across this situation. But Peter had the opportunity to make the impossible possible because he came. So if you want God to do the impossible in your life, you got to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you must remember this, though. When you decide to get out the boat, everybody ain't going to be happy about it. Yeah, y'all missed that. When you decide to get out the boat, everybody not going to be happy you got out the boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how, how, I don't see that in the text, Pastor. How, how do you know that? See, think about this. He's on the boat with the disciples. Who's on the boat? Yeah. Judas is on the boat. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a disciple, right? Judas, who is stealing money from Jesus, stealing money from the treasury, who obviously does not have a, the faith he needs because he's sitting right there in the presence of God. So Judas, a person that doesn't appreciate God, how much faith can he have? But he on the boat. Jesus still loved him, but he on the boat. Thomas is on the boat. Do we know who Thomas is? Dalton Thomas? Y'all know Dalton Thomas? Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm going to help you out. See, 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 when Jesus rose from the grave, uh, all the disciples meeting, and Thomas said, I don't believe it. Jesus pops up like, bam, here I am. I rose. What's now? He said, I rose. He says, I don't believe you. Unless I'm able to touch the holes through your hands and put my hand in your side where the spirit hit, I won't believe it. Jesus says, fine. Look, put your hands through the holes and touch the spear on my side. And then he says, I believe you are God. And Jesus said, I'm glad you believe, but more blessed is he who believes who never even saw me. Yeah. See, Thomas was a doubter. He wouldn't believe who God said he was. So guess what? Doubting Thomas is on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine him saying, Pete, you better not try walking on the water. <laughs> are you crazy? Right. Yeah. Peter, don't get, don't, don't, don't do I know he healed you. Don't do it. Yeah. He can't heal us. See, don't get on that, Peter. Don't do it. I, I, I can think. I, I bet it was something like this. What, what they was going through in their minds. What they was thinking. Here we go. Here we go. I, I, I bet. I bet. The triangle. I, to the left. To the triangle. There we go. I, I, I bet it went something like this when he was thinking about. Did you hit the triangle? He went back. Sorry, y'all. Try, 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 gotta make the point. I don't know. It's all good. So I can imagine they thinking of something like this. What was going through their minds? Look at that. 32, 33. She gone. One second it took for her to try to walk on water and fell through. One second. Immediately, immediately, so I can imagine, I can imagine that that's going through their minds like, Pete, you better not try to walk on the water, bro. We might can't swim. You're going to die. Let's click over. The next slide. 
So I can imagine, just switch over. I don't know. So he just, I can imagine what's going on in their mind. Peter's tripping. Uh, uh, don't walk on water is what they're telling him. But Peter decides, I'm going to get out the boat and I'm going to walk on water anyway. So, so verse 30 says this, but when he saw the wind was boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And we find ourselves just like Peter. Yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Lord. Peter has seen God deliver them in the sea before. Just like we've seen God deliver us before. We asked God to do it and he did it. It blew our mind. We couldn't believe he did it, but he did it. And now we face with a similar situation. And instead of having a boldness in it, we gain amnesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get spiritual Alzheimer's. We just, we just forgot about all the things God did. He's a keeper. He's a way maker. He's a healer. He's this. He's that. He's that. But when the situation come again, Lord, save me. You already seen him rebuke the wind and the waves. You already know he's controlling the sea. But you are afraid. See, this is what I learned about the devil. It tripped me out. God spoke to me. He said, see, this is, what, this is what the devil does. He knows some people are not going to stop believing in God. He knows some people believe in Jesus. He died and rose from the grave. They're not going to stop believing that. So my job is not to stop them from believing it, but have them have moments of forgetfulness. Yeah, moments of forgiveness. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, when something's going on in your life, he don't he know you're not gonna just not dis- disown God, but I can get you to sin if I get you to forget about him for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If you got a need on you that you need real bad and right now, I'm gonna make you put that need above God. Ain't that you don't love God, but you're gonna forget about him, and that's when I can slide in and make you have help you to sway you to some decisions I want you to make. Yeah. Because we have these small moments of forgetfulness. And every time we had to see it, we've seen and repented and messed up. It wasn't that we didn't know God's there, but he wasn't nowhere in the front of our mind. He was somewhere in the back, somewhere in the background. So the devil is sneaky and conniving because look at this. He made him forget about what God had already done. And so Peter was focusing on the wind and the waves. What was surrounding him. So he must have took his eyes off Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He took his eyes off Jesus. See, I love this. See, in the video, she sunk in a second. Gone. One minute. She didn't even sunk. She fell through to me. But the Bible says Peter sunk, which means he didn't drop down immediately. Which means he slowly sunk down into the water. He asked God to help him. And the reason he had to do that, though, is because he took his eyes off the Savior. That's that moment of forgetfulness. See, anytime we take our eyes off Jesus, we usually take our mind off with him, too. And my eyes ain't on him. My mind ain't on him. And that leads to my heart not being on him, too. And all these moments of forgetfulness. Now, the enemy has crept in. And now I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with this. And I'm dealing with that. When God already said he got me. So as Peter sunk down, Jesus came through the same. Jesus came through the same day like he always do. Jesus says this. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him and said, oh, you a little faith. Why do you doubt? Yeah. And then he got into the boat and the wind ceased. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, ye of little faith. Mm-hmm. How have you forgot? Mm-hmm. See, this little faith thing is tripped out, man. He says that a couple times because little faith has gotten you to start walking in your purpose. That's how powerful little faith is. Little faith has got you to walk on water a little bit. It's got you to that career you need. Little faith may even got, has saved your marriage. Little faith does some miraculous things. Right. 
Because God is so powerful, he can do a lot with little faith. But this is the second time Jesus addressed his disciples and said, oh, ye of little faith. Y'all notice that? Back in the first time, he said, y'all got little faith. Why is your faith so little? So my question is, if there's a such thing as little faith, then there must be a big faith. Yeah, y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. If there's a such thing as little faith, that means there must, must be a such thing as big faith. See, this is why I'm done. I don't need no more little faith in my life. I'm done with little faith. I'm done with little finances. I'm done with a little prayer life. I'm done with a little worship. I'm done with a little peace. I'm done with a little joy. I'm done with anything little in my life. I need some good stuff. That's what I need. I need some big stuff in my life. I need God to blow my mind. I need big faith. I need big finances. I need big prayers. I need big worship. I need big joy. Why? Because I serve a big God and I want the devil to be big man. Y'all missed that. I want big, big, big. I'm tired of ordinary. I need incredible, extraordinary faith in my life. And God wants to do that for you. But we got to go from little to big, y'all. We didn't expect to be moving this week. But I trust God and said, God, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to keep praying till it come to pass. I'm going to keep believing you. Even when I can't see it, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. How do you walk on water? Because I'm walking by faith and not by sight. It don't matter what's to the right. It don't matter what's to the left. I'm walking in God's will. I'm walking where he called me to be. So I need big faith in my life because I serve a big God. Because we think when the devil is trying to mess with us that he's so big. But you got to remember, he's a little big devil. And we serve a big, big God. He appears to be big. The Bible says he, he comes as a roaring lion seeking we may devour. See, the devil, lions ain't, ain't stupid. They don't be out there trying to eat hippos. They strong. They can't get a jungle. Don't get me wrong. But they ain't trying to eat hippos. Let a lion try to attack a hippo see what happens. They hippo going to bite that mud and lion going to leave her or dead. But what are they doing? They coming through. The, they looking for the weak one. The secret they can devour and get an easy meal. They don't want to do all that extra work. They want to get them in. And that's what the devil does. See, he really little. He's scared of you. He just trying to find out who weak. He coming after the weak ones. Because that's easy. That's easy. That's easy kill for me. I want, I want the weak one. I ain't got time to mess with one that's big and believes. And, and got big faith and believe God can do anything. I ain't got time to be messing with them. I want to come after the little one. So God is calling you to increase your faith. No more little things, little faith in your life. God wants it to be big, and I'm done when I say this. Look at this. Verse 33 says this. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Think about that, y'all. Because Peter got out the boat, and he had little faith. Did something amazing with little faith. Everybody in the boat began to worship. With just a little bit of faith and trust in God, everybody in the boat came out to worship. So because Peter stepped out, it allowed for others to step up. See, God is calling you to come out the boat. Why? Because some people need to worship him. Some people need to love on him. Some people need to know he is God and he cares. One of my pastor friends shared a Facebook post today and messed me up. It had a picture. And it had a picture of a man on his knees and said, Christians are being killed in uh, Syria and in Palestine. It had these three different countries and said, Christians are being killed Sunday morning. Then it showed America and Sunday morning had somebody laying in their pillow in their bed snoozing. And I'm like, wow. 
God, have we really got that prideful and that arrogant that we don't realize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter if you're around the world, that some of our brothers and sisters don't have the opportunity to come and worship you freely. They don't have the opportunity to come and declare the blessings of God. They don't come in, get to come in and yell and scream about how much they love Jesus. And we who have the opportunity will let it go to waste, hit snooze on alarm clock, rather go to the game, rather go here, rather go there, rather go fun. I appreciate y'all for pressing today. Give yourself a hand for pressing today. Because it's a holiday weekend and we all got things to do. But God first. Because I serve a big God. Because if he takes his breath away, what do I got? If God just say no more breath, we all drop. Because the Bible says that he breathed to us by, through his spirit in Genesis. So it's his spirit on earth that keeps us breathing. He take the pneuma, the spirit away. It's gone. It is God who gives us activity in my limbs. It is God that gives me the mind to think I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That believe he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can think or ask according to the power that works within me. He gives me all my senses. So when you come out of the boat... And show people he's real. Other people got to worship him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. When I show you he's real, you're able to step out the boat. Because my job, once God has freed me and got me the courage to come out of the boat, yeah. I got to make sure somebody else get out. Amen. It's not fair for me to soak it all up. God been that good to me. You think I ain't going to tell you? Because if I left the hood and got rich, you would expect me to come back and tell you how I did it. So I can put me on, put me on. How you do that? You would expect that. But what if I got something better than money? What if I got something that lasts eternal? What if I saw I got something to give me everlasting joy, to give me peace in the midst of a storm? That gives me the ability to be calm when there's chaos all around me. That got me in touch with the supernatural. You would expect me, I would expect myself to come back and help you. So we stand here today. I'm just asking whoever, whoever's here. Well, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ. But if you want to come out, let today be the day. God is calling you. He's saying, come out the boat. Quit sitting in that boat. That boat of doubt. That boat of fear. That boat of your mind. That boat of depression. That boat of that relationship. That boat that is keeping you bound. All I, take, all I need is a little faith. See, I know, I know Peter went from little faith to big faith because after Jesus, Peter denied Jesus, y'all. When, when Jesus got crucified and was ready to be uh, uh, killed, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, Lord, I'm rolling with you till the wheels fall off. He, when, the, when, it, when it goes down, Peter even cut somebody's ear off. Peter was about that life, y'all. Cut the boy ear off. But when it came down, he was pressed. He said, you know what? I don't know him. I never seen him. I never met him. And left off crying and weeping because he denied Jesus. And he could have gave up on life right there. But he went and wept and cried. And three days later, like Jesus said he would, he rose from the grave. And guess who the first person was at that tomb? Peter. Realized I got a second chance. Realized I got another chance to get it right. Realizing that God did this for me and loves me. So if you've never been saved or, or want to rededicate your life to Christ, let today be your day. God is saying, come out the boat so everybody can worship with them and worship with you. If you've never been saved or, or, or you are saved but looking for a church home, let today be your day. 
We'd love to have you as God is doing some things and stretching our faith and taking us from glory to glory and doing some amazing things in our lives. Whatever you stand in the need of today, we're here to help. We're here to love you. Help you to be what God has called you to be. But don't be afraid to come. Fear keeps us bound in our seats. Fear keeps us bound in our lives. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He said, the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all I never want to do. He's not your friend. He's not your boo. Not your homie. He has one job. To steal your joy. To kill your testimony. And hopefully destroy you of having any ability to get anybody else to come out that boat. Yeah. Because you might be saved and he can't do nothing about that. But he can help you not be able to get somebody else out the boat. Once you destroy your testimony, destroy who you are. He, he says, you have, you, it's what I want. If you're going to be a Christian, I want you to have no effect and no power. I, I can deal with that. So if you want to get out the boat, let today be your day. If you feel God's calling you and touching your heart to come. I know me, I don't stretch this out. I'm about to wrap it up. Because uh, I say it all the time, I can't scare nobody into heaven. Uh, that's got to be a choice you got to make. But no God is able. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Y'all can do better than that, amen. Give glory to God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Would there be another? Is anybody else? God saying, come. Just one word, come. Any man open the door of his heart. He said, I, he said, I knock on the door of your heart. I'm right there. If any man opens it up, I come in and I abide with you. We, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can prepare a whole buffet. I can cook all the Thanksgiving, the Christmas Memorial Day. We can get the ribs, the chicken, and fire up that grill and do it all. And fix you a plate. But if you don't grab that fork and put that food in your mouth, ain't nothing I can do about it. So God, if you need something from God today, and you hear him touching your heart, and he's saying, come, go ahead and come. God loves you and he cares for you. He loves you and he loves you more than you ever could know. I was telling my daughter that the other day. No matter what happens in life, it's one day daddy and mama going to be gone. Always know that God loves you. And ain't nothing bad enough you can do that can keep you out of his love. He loves you. That's the enemy talking. But God loves you. Like love you, love you. We don't even know what that kind of love is. We get a glimpse of it because he sent his son to the cross. Because we ain't letting our kids die for nobody. All the parents said amen. amen. Uh, we, uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. But he showed his love for us by putting his son on the cross. So there's anybody else. Anybody else. Hallelujah. All right. Let's give, give God a praise in this place. We thank you, oh God. We worship you, oh God.